Unbound Theatre presents The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier From the Depths Written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson Chapter 16 The Message In the dining room of the Albemarle Club, the Professor and Astrid were finishing their meal. So come on in, Astrid said through a mouthful of food. How does Oscar get in trouble with the courts? What's this trial all about? Trials, the Professor corrected. There are three to follow in the next few months. Three? Astrid spat. The Professor dusted crumbs of food from the tablecloth. Blimey, and you said he'd done nothing wrong. He hadn't, the professor insisted wearily. The events at the agency had drained her. The laws of Oscar's and my century are rather less enlightened than those of even a hundred years from now. At the end of the third trial, he'll be found guilty of gross indecency and sentenced to two years' hard labour in prison. Astrid thought for a moment, processing the charge. Imambozi, you mean? Indeed said the professor. Neither of them were particularly discreet about their relationship, in a time when it was still illegal. What was it that kicked off the trial, then? asked Astrid. A dirty trick, the professor recalled from the pages of her book. Tonight, Bosie's father, the Marquis of Queensbury, slurs Oscar's name by calling him a sodomite. He'd become aware of Oscar's love for his son and wanted to put an end to it. Oscar sues him for libel and well, the truth emerges about Oscar's private life. His love for Bosie and his relationship with other men begin to come to light. Queensbury is acquitted, and Oscar is arrested for unlawful acts. So the first trial, Astrid began to surmise, but the professor interrupted, was simply to lure Oscar into a courtroom where Queensbury already had the evidence he needed to have him prosecuted. The professor looked down sadly at her empty plate. To think if he'd have been born a hundred years later, there'd have been no trial at all, Astrid mused, before scooping up the last of her dessert. If he'd have been born a hundred years later, perhaps he'd not have become a symbol of why the law needed to change, the professor theorised before rubbing her tired eyes. She glanced up at a clock on the wall. Oh, good grief, it's getting late. We must be going. Are you finished? Yep, Astrid chimed happily, and the two women got up and left the dining room. So it turns out, Astrid said as they made their way towards the lobby. What with enforcers, editors and this keeper bloke you ran into, time travel's a bit of a crowded market. It certainly seems to be a more formalised field than I'd anticipated, the professor agreed. Although perhaps that's to be expected. Every frontier has its rogues and rescuers. When they emerged into the entrance lobby, they found a commotion unfolding. Several of the club staff were wrestling with an angry man insisting on being let in. Hang on, Astrid frowned, recognising the intruder. That's Queensbury. We were supposed to have gone before all this, said the professor, a pained expression crossing her face. I was so tired I lost track of the time. 
Get off me! Queensbury was shouting. Unhand me, you nasty little parasite! He shook off the Albemarle staff and straightened his coat. He then reached into his pocket and took out a calling card which he slammed down onto a small table next to him. You give the filthy degenerate that when he prances in here. With that, he turned and left. The staff shrugged at one another and began to move away. One of the porters casually picked up the card and, not bothering to read it, discarded it in a waste paper basket hidden discreetly beside the entrance door. Was that the insult? Astrid asked, confused as to how the tussle fitted into the professor's reports of Oscar's trial. No, the professor replied absently. Her skin was pale. No, that comes later. Astrid could see something had frightened her friend and put a hand on her arm. I know it's rotten, Prof, but it's history. We can't change it. Go back to the ship, please, Astrid, said the professor. I'll be along shortly, if you could check the instruments are all working correctly. Astrid knew better than to argue. She nodded and made her way through the lobby and out of the doors, glancing back at her friend who stood sadly across the room. In the hour that followed, as she waited for her to return to the ship, she would dig out the professor's biography of Wilde and read about the events leading up to Oscar's trials. She would piece together the reason why the professor had remained behind and shed a tear for her. The professor stood staring at the waste paper bin. She was waiting, hoping that one of the staff would remember the card and retrieve it so as to hand it to Oscar just as Queensbury had ordered. Minutes passed and the staff went about their business. As though approaching the gallows, the professor walked slowly over to the basket and reached inside, removing Queensbury's card. His name was printed in the centre of it, and above was the hastily scribbled and misspelt insult that would drive Oscar to sue Queensbury for libel. For Oscar Wilde it read, Posing Sondermite. Those five words would see Oscar's name, reputation and marriage destroyed. Though a majestically verbose witness, he would be found guilty and sent to Reading Jail. In the few short years following his release, he would lose Constance, his children, his fortune and his life as illness and depression ravaged him. He would return, against the pleas of his friends and family, to Bosey, until the tumult of their love proved too destructive and the young Lord Douglas would cast the bond aside. Here, in her hands, was a turning point of history, and it had fallen to her to deliver it. Perhaps, she thought, she could entrust it to one of the porters and ask them to hand it over, but how could she trust it would not simply be discarded again? The weight of history began to press upon her, and a devastatingly cruel inevitability whirled about her head. She could only be sure if she delivered it herself. She found a chair at one side of the room and sat silent and still for almost an hour. Her empty expression occasionally caught the concern of a passing member of staff, but they thought better than to intrude. It was not their place. The professor waited, hoping against hope that someone would intervene and spare her what was to come. Eventually a carriage pulled up in the street outside, and the familiar tones of Oscar Wilde sounded from beyond the door. She rose to her feet and took a deep breath. The doorman did their duty, and Oscar, flanked by several well-wishers, stepped into the club. The professor moved over to him. Her timid demeanour drew derisive looks from several of the party, but she ignored them. Mr Wilde, she said, and Oscar turned to her. 
I have a message for you. Oscar raised an eyebrow, then regarded his companions. Go in. I shall be but a moment. The others disappeared, and Oscar returned to the professor. What is it you must let me know? A gentleman left a card for you, she began, looking down at Queensbury's moniker in her hands. He wanted it to be passed on. She paused, summoning the courage to look him in the eye. Her own were filling with tears, but she forced herself to continue. Oscar could see her pain and frowned in concern. Are you quite all right? he asked softly. If you need help, then I would gladly... I would just like to say thank you, Mr. Wilde, the professor interrupted. Oscar smiled. It is always most flattering to meet a follower of my work. Not only that, the professor insisted, but for... for the life you have lived, for the example you have led, for hiding nothing when so many would not have had the courage. Oscar looked at her lapel and saw the violets adorning her buttonhole. He gave her an understanding smile and took off his hat, bowing to her. It is my pleasure, he whispered. The professor smiled through her tears and nodded. She held out the card. I am so sorry, Mr. Wilde, she said as he reached for it. She almost flinched, as though to snatch it away from his grasp. She held firm and Oscar took the card, but did not read it, instead remaining focused on the woman before him. I'm very sorry, but this is the message the gentleman wished to be passed on. Good evening, sir. The professor's face finally fell, and tears cascaded down her cheeks as she turned and fled from the club. Reaching the pavement, she broke into a run and disappeared into the night, leaving history to run its proper course. <laughs> The Chronicles of Professor Chronomier, From the Depths. An Unbound Theatre Production, written by Dario Knight and performed by Erica Sanderson, with music by Kevin MacLeod. Mm -hmm.